Uh, last week, if you'll recall, we spent time talking about Pentecost here. And we spent time talking about that holiday. It's what it was on the calendar and what it means to us today. And I kind of began to do an analogy of potential energy. That through Pentecost, God has placed potential energy in us. And I talked about rubber bands and I talked about holding a book up. But the reality is there's potential in each one of us. And on the screen behind us the whole time, I had a a symbol of potential energy that I never talked about. Kids, when your parents say, don't play with matches because you can cause a fire, they mean it. I found a news article this week. It was from 2007. It says a boy was playing with matches that started a a Southern California wildfire that scorched more than 38,000 acres. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department said Tuesday the buckwheat fire, which destroyed 21 homes on its rampage, began on October 21st in the Aguadulce, whatever that means, community. And so basically there was a fire in California, 2007, that, that, that burned up, it said, what, 34,000, 38,000 acres. 63 structures, 21 homes of those 63 structures were destroyed. And when they began to research this, when they began to look at it, it all went back to a little boy playing with matches. Well, they said a juvenile. I just assumed little boy in my mind. I guess that could be wrong. A juvenile playing with matches. See, there's potential energy in a match. And we never know what one match can begin to do. And so when I preached that last week, my wife asked me, are you going to preach your pumpkin seed sermon next week? And I said no. And then I realized the kids were here. And then I realized that probably was the right thing. So I want you to hold your pumpkin seed right now, okay? And I want you to think about this pumpkin seed in your hand. And I want to know your response if I said in your hand is the potential to give every person on the face of the earth a pumpkin in four years. Someone laughed. See, because in your hand, now now this one might not be so hard to believe. When I plant... This pumpkin seed, do you know how many pumpkins you typically get? On average, about six pumpkins you'll get from planting a pumpkin seed. Inside of every pumpkin that you plant, do you know how many seeds are inside of a pumpkin? Not a million. Not yet. We're getting there. Not 10 million. There's about 500 seeds inside of every pumpkin. So in one year, if we have six pumpkins with 500 seeds, how many seeds do we have? Come on, math people. Six times 500. Yes, Kylie. 3,000 seeds. Say it confidently. So now in year two, we plant those 3,000 seeds. How many pumpkins do we have after those seeds germinate, sprout, and produce fruit? 18,000 pumpkins. Or see, no pumpkins. So when we have 18,000 pumpkins and they've got 500 seeds in each, now let's see who's not using their phone, how many seeds does that mean? Nope. Nine million. We have nine million seeds now. Year three, we sow our nine million seeds. How many pumpkins do we have? 
evidence in the palm of your hand in three years. Do you know how many seeds that is? 27 billion seeds. Year four. We're four years out. We're not that far away from what's in my hand. We plant those, I said, 27 billion seeds. Do you know how many pumpkins we've got? 162 billion pumpkins. That's enough pumpkins in four years to give every person on the face of the earth 20 pumpkins. In the palm of your hand. I don't know that we truly recognize the potential that God has given each and every one of us. I don't know that we've truly quantified the reality of the potential that God has given us. I mean, seriously, I look at this. What's the big deal? It's one seed. Not much can come from this one seed. There's not much that can happen. I mean, it's just one seed. What's it really matter? Last week I talked about the reality that the Spirit of God has indwelled every one of us. I'll tell you what, that's a pretty profound seed in your life. And I believe that God is trying to demonstrate. I believe that God wants to reveal to us. This is what he's speaking to pastor right now, is that what he wants to do in your life is absolutely astonishing. It's absolutely remarkable. It's probably preposterous. When I looked at that scene and I said, enough for 20 uh, pumpkins, not watermelons, because that would be really crazy. That would definitely be God. 20 pumpkins for everyone on the face of the earth. You probably said, I'm a nut. I heard some ladies laugh. (laughs) Just saying. She's not paying attention. Rowena, I'm pointing at you right now. You laughed. Carrie laughed too. Shh. I mean, it's crazy. And I think if we begin to dream, if we begin to recognize... If we begin to press into what God can do when we just sow what he's given us, we have to be amazed, astonished. There's a story. We're going to be in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapters 11 through about 21 this morning. And I'm going to go through 10 chapters and you say, "Uh oh, I'll say it'll be quick. I promise. But it's a story about the potential of a seed. It's a story that truly illustrates the the promise that that we're talking about this morning. In the book of of Genesis chapter 11, we meet a man named Abram. And how many of you would love to be introduced this way? Abram and Nahor, that was his brother, they both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Ishka. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. So Abram, now this will become Abraham, we meet him in Scripture, and he's described how? 
I mean, the first one's all right. His wife is Sarai. How would you like this? Hey, this is the dude whose wife can't have babies. That's really how he's introduced in Scripture. I mean, seriously, if I'm going to be in the book, give me a good introduction. Don't just say, my wife is the one who can't have babies. Can we talk about the other things? Can we talk about the great accomplishments or, or how incredibly beautiful I am? How, how astonishingly talented I am? No! We're going to introduce Abram in the scripture as the one who's married to the girl who can't have babies. That's his claim to fame. But I said there's a potential of a seed. And so his, his claim to fame may have been that his wife was not able to have a child, but God says to him in Genesis chapter 12, I will make you into a great nation. Now wait a minute, God. Do you remember what you wrote, like in the last chapter? Remember what they said? You made her, she can't have babies. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. But we got a seed problem at home. I mean, how? I thought about Acts 1.8. We talked about Pentecost last week. Jesus said, you'll be endued with power. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He was saying that to a people without a cell phone or the internet. How impossible was to the ends of the earth to the disciples? They didn't hop on planes, trains, and automobiles. They hopped on camels, walked in in sandals, and did other things. I can't rhyme right now. God's saying to Abram, I will make a nation out of you. Well, we got a fundamental problem to your promise right now, God. The fundamental problem is, how can I have a nation when I can't have a baby? But see, there was a seed that God had promised to Abram. He uh, reaffirms this promise in Genesis chapter 15. After the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, Do not be afraid, Abram, I'm your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, now listen, how many times have we done this with God when he's given us the promise of a seed? And we begin to say, but wait. Hey, remember, sovereign Lord, since uh, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my state is is Eliezer Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be your heir. I mean, we've been there. I, I, pastor talks about there's potential or there's, there's power or there's things inside of us. And we say, but wait, God promised me a long time ago this was going to happen. And it, it never happened. You tell me I'm going to be a, a great nation and I haven't had one kid yet. I can't even be a great dad. How can I be a great emperor? And God says, the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood. He reiterates the promise of a seed will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. What was God saying in that moment? 
I remember when I lived in the city, I felt like you could count the stars because there were only so few you could see because of all the lights. We don't live in the city. Go outside and count the stars on a clear night. And you start looking and then you start seeing more. And then you start seeing more. I believe what God was saying because Abram didn't have big city lights next to him when he was saying that. He had a nice sky where you could see stars behind stars behind stars behind stars. The promise is the seed is going to produce a fruit that is innumerable. It's preposterous. How do I get to 27 billion or 127 billion if I can't get to one? Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. You know, God has spoken a promise to Abraham. That promise has been reiterated in Scripture. And Abraham, much like us, it says credit to him as righteous. You know what the next chapter tells us? The next chapter after it was credited to him as righteousness. Chapter 16. Sarah and Abraham decide that they're going to take things into their own hands. Now, if I told you to make 127 billion pumpkins, good luck. You know, you try to figure out how to do it on ourselves. And so if you look at Genesis chapter 16, what happens? God has made a promise that they're going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And then Abram and Sarai, they begin to force the promise. God, you made us a promise. You said that we would have kids. We we aren't producing like we thought we would. And so, well, I've got a pretty little maidservant over there, Sarai said. And, and, and Hagar, she can bear, she got some great childbearing hips. I promise that she can have a kid for you. And so, I don't know how this happens. I don't understand these times. These are the weird things in Scripture. She sends her maidservant to, to her husband, and they have a child together. What? Sometimes we try to force the product of the seed. In my notes, this is what I wanted to read. Sometimes we become consumed with the product rather than focusing on the promise. Sometimes we get lost in seeing the fruit rather than focusing on the promise that God has for us. Can you imagine if you planted this this seed and you were so compelled with whether it was growing that every day because you had to put it down about three inches in the soil, you got your little shovel out and dug it up to see if it sprouted yet? Huh? I don't know that that's going to be the healthiest thing for the seed. And then you get impatient because it doesn't look like it's growing. So you go ahead and find a pipe cleaner because it's green and looks like a stem. And you just tape that bad boy on there and say, we're ready to roll. I don't know how many pumpkins come from pipe cleaners, but good luck. But God says... To Abraham, to Abram, or Abraham now, he reiterates the promise. I will bless her, and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nation. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born 
to a man a hundred years old. Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Israel might live under your blessing. God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. How does Abraham, I mean, I don't know. Dude's pretty, pretty, pretty brave. He's talking to God. And God says to him, you're going to have a baby. He looks in the mirror and he says, I'm an old dude. Not only am I an old dude, but my wife's an old wife. Have you seen her lately? She's got gray hair and wrinkles. Her hips aren't made for bearing kids anymore. And scripture says, just like Rowling, he laughed. I'll get to Sarah, and I'll come back. Sarah has a similar encounter. Abraham is visited outside the tent by some men. One of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and your wife, or Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out, and my Lord is old, She's looking at him now and saying, he's got wrinkles and his hair is bald. Will I now have this pleasure? The Lord said, then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Listen to me. I believe God has spoken to you about promises in your life. I believe God has placed seeds in your life that you've come up with every reason that's absolutely preposterous. You've chuckled and laughed to yourself because of all the reasons that God can't do what He said He would do. You've come up with the the reasons why it can't happen. I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too bad. I'm too good. Graham, it's okay for me to say fat right now. I'm preaching, man. I'm too dumb. I'm too smart. I'm too busy. I'm not the right one. There's others that are more talented. Hey, how about we do it this way? I'll come up with a way to make this thing work, God, because it's not going fast enough and and we're not seeing the fruit the way we want to see the fruit. So let's just force this our way. Here's my maidservant, Hagar. Let's make a baby through her. That's an artificial fulfillment of the promise of God. I believe in the seeds. Sometimes we complicate the simplicity of God. And this is a really complicated process. I don't understand how there's the potential for 127 billion pumpkins inside here. I don't understand about the little thing that comes out and it sprouts and all that stuff and produces fruit. I don't know how all that stuff works. But man, it looks awfully simple. And to the one who formed it, it makes complete sense. 
Kathy talked about some seeds. She said, somebody wrote on Facebook, I'm praying for you. Someone said they were thinking about her. Someone came and, and mowed the lawn. Someone, someone spoke to them or called them or, or prayed for them. I'm telling you, seeds don't have to be very complicated to produce innumerable fruit. What God has placed inside of you, if His Spirit is inside of you, which the Scripture says and Pastor believes, then there is incredible seed inside of you that has potential to produce fruit that will impact the world. Huh? And it's hard for my brain to comprehend. I've shared this before. When we were in Florida one time, and we were driving from Orlando to Tampa, I looked at that, and I think there's like 152 billion people there. Not quite right, but whatever it is, since there's only 8 billion on the planet, but it seems like that. And I said, as a pastor, I can't comprehend how I can reach 100 or 10 million people or whatever it was, 2 million people. But I can comprehend how I can reach 1,000. But what I believe God is saying is that don't do what you can comprehend, but trust in the incredible. That's why when God says our purpose is to love God, love people, it's not just to impact Crawford, but it's to impact our world. Our world will be impacted in Crawford, but I believe our world will be impacted throughout the state of Nebraska, throughout the country, the United States, and across the the, the whole extreme of the world. Why? Because it's a kingdom principle that when I trust God, he told Abram that his descendants would bless the entirety of the world. He said in Acts 1-8, my word, you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of of the earth, what God is speaking in you maybe, just maybe, the seed He's placed inside of you is something that will change the world. Now, come on. That's preposterous. Some might say ludicrous. Some might say, Maybe in you, but not in me. I believe God is calling us to recognize, to not limit, to not redefine the promises that He's placed inside of you. Because here's the reality they may have laughed. They may have tried to do things their own way, but God is faithful with his seed. In Genesis, sorry, that was Sarah laughing. In Genesis chapter 21, the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham at his old age. At that very time, God had promised him. Sarah had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had the 12 tribes. And then all that goes, and guess who else is in this line of Abraham? If you read Matthew chapter 1, it starts with the sons of Abraham, and it comes back to Jesus Christ. Innumerable impact. Preposterous impact. Because of a promise of God, and God did what he promised to Sarah, somebody needs to put their name in that verse and say, the Lord did for me, for Walt, for Carrie, for Nina, for Mike, because I can cover the whole church when I say that. 
He did what he promised for me. And if I haven't seen the fruit yet, I'm going to trust that it's coming. If I haven't seen the pumpkins or had my pumpkin pie yet, I'm going to trust that it's coming. I'm not going to go to Walmart and buy one. I'm going to trust the fruit is coming. You know, there was a very physical uh, impact that comes through this promise. I mean, the descendants, if we started to count the family tree, I'm sure we get lost just like we did with the pumpkin seeds of Abraham. But there's also a spiritual seed that came through Jesus Christ. We're children of God because of the product of the seed that was promised to Abraham. There's a spiritual impact as well as a physical promise. I give you a pumpkin seed. And I'm going to tell you this just in case some are wondering. I'm going to ask you to plant a pumpkin seed. Okay? If you don't have room, whatever, make excuses, that's fine. That's pastor guilt. That's what we're supposed to do too. They teach us that in Bible college. And I give you a pumpkin seed for this reason. In the fall, we have an outreach. I believe there will be a very physical harvest that comes from planting pumpkin seeds. We'll get pumpkins. You plant them, you save, you wait, they grow. If you say, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not sure my one seed will grow. Go buy some. Good luck finding them. I had to go to like eight stores to find pumpkin seeds right now. Crazy. And in the fall, our kids' pastor does an outreach to the kids where they get to paint pumpkins. She uses pumpkins as an opportunity to draw kids in so she can share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. So she can tell them about God's love. So she can witness, so they can feel God's love in her and through her. And I believe that not only is there a spirit or a physical harvest that comes, but there is spiritual impact that can come through the seed if we sow it. Mike said his pockets are full, so I had to give you something you could put in the ground. He says, I always give stuff, and he pulled out his pocket the other day, and he had a rock and a cross and another thing, and he said, Pastor, my pockets are filling up. <laughs> pastor used to be a kid's pastor, so I like things that make us think. What if God has placed a seed in your hand this morning and produces a pumpkin? But a kid gets to get paint all over him and the table and the floor. But experience Jesus Christ's love for the very first time. And what if that kid goes home and tells his mom and dad about what he experienced at church? And they recognize the love of Christ in their child and they're drawn to him. And what if that mom and dad go to work? What if? I mean, it's preposterous. This is crazy. What if mom and dad go to work and the coworkers look at them and they say, you're different. What's going on? And they begin to tell them about a pumpkin that started this whole thing that we know came from a seed that got placed in your life. It may not be pumpkins, but it may be something else. 
God's Word. You guys can come forward. Scripture says the Word of God is powerful and effective. We have His Word. We have an abundance of His Word. I will tell you, when people ask me to define, I've defined it for our church before. When I, when I talk to other pastors and I, and I share our vision statement that says, love God, love people, and impact our world, they say, well, what is impact? And I say, impact is any place God touches this world. That's impact. Any place that, that God touches man is absolutely impact. What if we have the seeds inside of us to help impact be experienced throughout this world? And I know. I know. And it's okay. If you don't want to grow pumpkins, we'll be fine. Because if everybody grows a pumpkin, I'm guessing there's about 70 people here. So 70 times 6, that's like 420 pumpkins. I know that's more than we need. So if you need an excuse and don't plant your seed, whatever. But take the story with you. But we need some pumpkins, so plant them. And if you don't go to church here, plant them and take some kid a pumpkin. And they say, what's this for? And you say, well, my this pastor up in Crawford, he was crazy. He talked about 20 pumpkins for everybody in the world, and you're the kid that gets this pumpkin because God loves you. Maybe that'll do something there. Don't make excuses. Don't go to Safeway and buy some pumpkins or Walmart and buy some pumpkins when it comes October and say, Pastor, here's the pumpkins I sowed. Hmm? I know you, Jim. I know you're thinking. You know what? I think there's something taking this seed. Preparing the soil. Putting it in the ground. And trusting God for the fruit. There's something for me in that. There's something to learn in that. You got seed potential in you. You know, Kathy was talking again, and she mentioned the reality that we all need to know God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you've believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he's placed seed, that's eternal seed inside of you. That seed that will produce if we sow it in faith. If you say, I don't have that seed and I'd like to have that seed. How does that happen? It's simple. You, you confess your sin. You acknowledge before God what Jesus Christ accomplished, that the cross was there so your sin could be forgiven. You are forgiven, and the Scripture says you become a child of God. And this... Potential to touch the world 20 times over is in you because of what God has done. I'm going to pray and I'm going to encourage you to just pray into this and, and let the Spirit of God speak with you. I'm going to be up here if you want to respond in any way. I'll read this verse. I wasn't going to, but I decided I will. Hebrews, oh, it's not on there now. Never mind. Let us hold on swervingly. This is chapter 10. 
You've got to move it to Hebrews, Irene. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and it all the more as you see the day approaching. This is in you. God, I thank you for every promise you've made. I thank you for the promises that we've laughed at and the ones that we've tried to force to happen. I thank you for the words that you've spoken to us that that don't make sense in our current reality because the world, the word, others have defined us by why we can't. They say Sarah is barren. She can't have a child, so the promise of God can't be fulfilled. God, I pray that we could trust in you. Boy, this seed seems more powerful when I recognize the potential that's in it. God, what you've done in me is so much greater when I recognize the potential of what you've done in me. My word, my testimony, my prayers, my actions can change the world. Help us to be accountable, God, to what you've given Help us to recognize the power of these seeds you've placed inside of us and trust you, God, with the fruit, with the harvest, with the plans that you intend. In Jesus' name. I'm going to open the altars. If you want to come pray about the situation in your life, if you want to pray about receiving that seed of eternal life that that God has promised as a pastor, I'll be here to pray as Walt and Carrie lead us in a chorus. If you've been touched by God's seed being sown from someone else's life, most of us, I would say, have. Most of us would have to stand because our lives have been touched by someone else's seed. And they may not have recognized how powerful that moment, that conversation, that invitation was when they spoke to you. Recognize it. One other thing I want to say before I dismiss, because some of you might go crazy, uh, I had to buy some white pumpkins. So some of these pumpkin seeds will produce a white pumpkin. So if you get white pumpkins, don't think you're crazy. Or don't go telling people it was a miracle. God sanctified my pumpkin. I'd feel bad about that. Not all of them are. It's the kind of bigger ones. But anyway, I'm going to say the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you recognize the potential of the seeds in you. Amen? Be blessed.